Hello? Hi. We are on. Okay. Well, it's good to see you guys. I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. I did, and I'm still full, and hopefully, you know, you guys are still making it too. Um, it's good to see you guys. have a few announcements for you tonight. Um, those of you that are Shawnee State um, students, we have our last Bible study this semester. We're finishing up Galatians, um, and we're just going to meet Monday. So that's tomorrow um, in Massey, 211. Meet, meet as a big group this last week. And so hopefully uh, we can inspire you with the Word of God to do well in finals and stuff. So come and meet us the last time tomorrow night. Um, Dustin and Stephen want me to remind you that they're, those of you that are in their small group, they're meeting tonight after the service. So stick around for that. And... Uh, You know, the Understanding Addiction Group, if any of you guys know anybody that's going through any addictions, um, there's some flyers still back there on the table. They meet Monday nights, and the flyers will give you a little more info on where that's at and everything. Um, But that is just a meeting for uh, people, um, friends of addicts and stuff, so they can kind of understand what what, um, people that have problems with addictions are going through. So if you think that would be helpful for, for you or someone that you know, go ahead and take one of those flyers. Um, we're still kind of debating what to do uh, with the East End stuff now that it's getting colder. Um, so if you guys have any good ideas, uh, throw them up to Dave. But um, for the meantime, Ryan was talking about, you know, for us college students and everybody else, um, partnering with, with a friend, and then we can go out and, you know, purchase um, some, some stuff for kids in the East End, uh, kind of like an Operation Christmas Child, but locally here for, for them. So if you guys know any family specifically names and um, or locations or whatever of the houses of the families of the children, um, let Dave know. He wants you to tell him after the service and stuff um, so he can be clued in and so we can know which families to reach out to and which families to help so we can, um, you know, show God's love to them in that way. And if you guys are wanting to get involved, um, just let us know. Let Dave know. Um, Ryan, you know, anybody that plays here up on stage, me, will get you filled in, small groups, um, to any service things that we do throughout the throughout the year. Um, nursery, Autumn's back there in the nursery, I believe. So if you guys can, can volunteer for that, anything, if you guys want to be more involved, um, be the hands and feet of God and help us here, then we'd greatly appreciate that as well. Um, that's about all the announcements I have. So, man, everybody's over here. If you guys want to get up um, and greet each other, maybe talk about how, what a good Thanksgiving, or you know, don't talk about what a bad Thanksgiving you had if you had a bad one. So we don't want to hear that. Let's be positive um, and encouraging. Um, <laughs> just get up and greet everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. What's up, Revolution? Do it again. That sucked. What's up, Revolution? I'll accept it because... There aren't very many people here, although I'm glad that each and every one of you are here. This, these are the true Christians that go to revolution. Everyone else is probably going to hell that didn't make it this evening. But I wanted to stay with my family. Well, Jesus says, come and die and come and follow me. And they thought their family was more important. Um, that was a joke, and no one thought that was funny at all. I feel like I just took it to the darkness really fast, and no one went there with me. Uh, but I'm, t- I'm, I'm glad to be here. We had a lot of fun at CCC last week eating their food for Thanksgiving, but I'm glad to be back here doing revolution, so I'm pretty pumped. Uh, my Thanksgiving was awesome. What about you guys? Show of hands. Who had a pretty rad Thanksgiving? That's what I'm talking about, right? 
Um, my entire week was actually pretty awesome. Um, I didn't have to work like Monday or Wednesday or Thursday. or It was pretty awesome. Usually I have to get up at 4 a.m. during those days. And uh, actually Wednesday I celebrated three years of being with my fiance Autumn. So, yeah, two people cared. That was awesome. Um, but I had, I had a lot of fun going with her. She wanted to go to some place where you paint clay stuff and they fire it up and it's all pretty. It's in Huntington and it's super lame, but like I love her and she loves me. So I went and blew my money on that. That was, that was a good time for everyone involved. Um, now we had a lot of fun and then Thursday was Thanksgiving, right? I went to three Thanksgiving dinners. Can anyone beat that in here? That's what I'm talking about, Corey. Yeah. All right. I went to three Thanksgiving dinners, but the one that's most memorable, um, to me, is the one where my grandparents and my, my like immediate family is at a lot. Now, we have a tradition. We do two things. Uh, one, we eat so much and eat so much of my mom's fudge that we get sick. That's a given. You're going to do that. If you don't plan on getting sick eating sweets, then you don't come to our family stuff because you're an outsider. That's one. Two, we, we play poker. And I don't know if some of you guys are like super opposed to gambling or whatever. That's fine. We can talk about it later. Um, but me and my family, we play like quarter games of poker and, and five or ten bucks a piece. It's a good time. We play for a few hours. And um, unbeknownst to me, um, we're all sitting there playing, got piles of quarters in front of us. My grandpa, he's a really wealthy man. You guys need to know this. My grandpa is not the richest man in the world, but he's got some money. He's got about $3.50 in front of him, and he's playing. And my cousin walks through the door. My grandpa says, all right, I'm out. I'm going to let, hey, Austin, come over here and play my hand for me. Now, unbeknownst to everyone at the table, Austin is some kind of world poker tour, like, tournament champion card shark kind of guy. None of us had any idea. And as soon as he sits down at the table, like, the whole air in the room changes. <laughs> it goes from, like, oh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to play some games. So all of a sudden, like, people are putting shades on and putting hats. And there's, like, some cameras under the table so you can see their cards. It's bad. Um, and Austin proceeded to beat us out of, like, $19. <laughs> But he was gambling with my grandpa's money, and my grandpa's a businessman, so whenever it was all said and done, grandpa just kept all the money. Um, and some of you don't know him, and I guess this is funnier for me than I thought it would be for you. Because <laughs> grandpa, like, didn't, he didn't even split it with him. <laughs> He's like an old retired dude that has all kinds of money, and he didn't even split the money. He might have. I don't know if he did or not. I'm going to say that he didn't because it's funnier. Um, <laughs> all right, but I did that on Thursday, and then Friday I went to another Thanksgiving dinner, and then Saturday, I celebrated my aunt's 50th birthday party, which is pretty awesome. She wanted to go to Gaddy's for some reason. 50-year-old woman wanted to go to Gaddy's for her party. We are like, you know what? We'll do that. It's cheap. We'll do that. Um, and we had a lot of fun, right? You know, spent money. People got gifts. Got to hang out with your family. Eat a bunch of food. Good times. Made good memories. Um, I, we had a blast. But now it's over. Um, and I'll never get it back. Ever. Never, ever. Oh, the memories, I'll forget. Um, the money that my grandfather won, uh, he'll either spend it or let's say he saved it until he dies. Um, it'll, it'll be gone. Someone in here might know my grandpa because my grandpa probably would save it until he dies. Um, that money's gone. The food's gone. All that stuff. Everything in this world ends in death. It is. It's true. And you might say that I'm being super dark and I was just being funny a minute ago. Everything ends with death. All earthly happiness will end. Everything around us is going to be gone. And then what? That's a big question that we need to consider. Then 
what? You know, we, um, we are kind of dumb, and we tend to focus on the here and now over everything else, right? We want to be happy. We want to be comfortable. That's what our culture tells us to do. Worry about what's going on around you and where you're at right now and what's immediately staring you in the face, right? Get money. Get a good job. Get a big house. Get a hot wife. Get a nice car. Start a family. Take care of them. Do all that stuff. And some of those things are fine, but then what? All end in death. All of it's over whenever you quit breathing. And then what? And I think the question that, that we have to ask ourselves um, this evening is, is, have we become so wrapped up in this life that we don't care about anything eternally? Like we don't care about anything eternal. We don't, have we become so dependent on ourselves that we think nothing of God, that we shelve God and we think nothing of the life after this one because we are so concerned with what we can get in this one? building our own kingdoms here, and we could care less about anything else. And that's the question that I think Jesus addresses in the passage that we're going to be in. Tonight we're going to keep trucking through Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 20, uh, verses, or not 20, good Lord. Um, Luke 6, verses 20 through 26. And we're kind of going to divide the chapters up a little bit weird, and we're going to be hopping back and forth. And you can turn there in those blue Bibles if you want to, or if you don't want to and you're lazy like me, it's going to be up here on the projector. And if you don't have a Bible that's easy to understand, take our Bible home with you. It's the NLT. It's a good translation. Uh, That's our gift to you. But we're going to check out what Jesus has to say about this life versus the life to come and what we should really be focused on and what we should really care about. So verse 20, then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. Skip down to verse 24. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. And what sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. And we're going to come back to the rest later, I promise. I'm not just going to leave it hanging on that. All right, so Jesus says you're blessed if you're poor, and you're blessed if you're hungry, and the converse to that. There's nothing but sorrow that awaits people who are rich now and who are fat and satisfied, which makes me really nervous because I ate a lot this past week. Um, Lame joke. No one thought that was funny. But we're going to keep trucking along because the Lord is still good, even though I'm not funny. Um, Stupid. Thank you. I appreciate that, (laughs) Tom. But I think the question that Jesus is asking us is, what do we want? That's the question I want everyone to ask themselves uh, during this message. What do you want? And Jesus, whenever he's talking about rich and poor and he's talking about hungry and being satisfied and complacent and fat, Jesus isn't just referring to socioeconomic groups. He's not just saying that you're blessed because you don't have anything or that you're blessed because you've not eaten in a while or anything like that. This is a lot deeper than that. And these aren't spiritual or these aren't material blessings either. All right, so track with me on this. These, these aren't, if you're going to be blessed with material things now because you're poor, you're going to be blessed with food now because you're hungry. It has nothing to do with that. Jesus is a lot deeper than that. He's talking about spiritual attitudes and eternal blessings. Right, he's talking rich and poor being an attitude, hungry and satisfied being an attitude. And what he's saying here is uh, if you're poor, if you recognize your poverty, you recognize that Spiritually, I have nothing to offer God. Spiritually, I'm a wreck. Spiritually, I deserve hell because I have no righteousness and I must be righteous to enter into God's presence. On the other hand, if you're rich, you say, I really don't think I need any of this Jesus stuff. I think that I'll be all right on my own. I'm more focused on what's going on around me here. That's the posture of your heart. 
And hungry is, I desire righteousness with God. I desire something that this world can't give me. I desire Jesus and to be in right relationship with him. Whereas if you're satisfied and you're fat and complacent now, you could care less. You're more focused on the here and now and what you're going to do here. You know, so the question, I think, is do you think you're poor or do you think you're rich? Are you hungry or are you satisfied? What do you want? What are you after? Now, we have a tendency to be super stupid and short-sighted. You know, we we plan ahead sometimes, and we get maybe 20 years ahead in our thinking, and that's if you have, like, a retirement fund or something like that, Um, which, talking to Rick Clark here lately, it's really funny to think that you're going to plan that far ahead because you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I could die in a car wreck on the way home this evening. Who really knows what's going to happen? But we don't live that way, right? We We don't... We don't live as if we don't know what's going to happen. We don't live focused on eternal things. We live focused on right here, right now. We're like babies. Like, I've watched my, my niece do this. If my mom walks in the room, freaks out, wants my mom more than she wants to breathe her next breath. And as soon as mom walks out of the room, she could care less. Like, who is Crystal? Um, that's, what, that's how we are. We don't think about eternal things. We don't think about what actually matters. And what matters is being in right relationship with Jesus. We're focused on money and stuff and crap that's all going to fade away. So we plan and we work and we save and we work out our own lives. We meet our own goals. We build our own kingdoms. And some of these things are good. Savings is good. Planning is good. Budgeting stuff. Wanting to be a good father or mother. Striving for a productive life. That is all well and good. But is that all you want? Is that what consumes you? Is that your heart's true desire? Do you think that this world's stuff is all that you need? You know, we tend to think that this world is all we need. You know, we, we, we try to reach these goals that we set for ourselves, right? Like, uh, be a decent person, right? Like, don't kill anybody. Right? Which some days is easier than others, if we're going to be totally honest. Sometimes you get exercise and self-control. Don't, don't, don't hurt anyone. Be a decent person. Vote Republican because God knows there's no Democrats going to be in heaven. Um, yeah, some of you really think that and you're like, that's why you're in heaven. Um, all right, vote Republican. Donate some money to people that you feel like need help, not really indiscriminately, but just donate to who you think is deserving of it. You know, have a good job. You know, we think that we have all we need. We, we think that we're rich. Without saying it, we think, I'm, I'm rich. And you'll say, hey, pump the brakes, Dave. I'm not rich. I make 40 grand a year. And I say, I'm jealous. One, that's awesome. Um, but I'm not rich. Yes, you are. And I'm not talking about material things. Again, I'm talking about a spiritual attitude. For, for a lot of people here tonight, God is maybe an afterthought. Maybe. Maybe a footnote in your plans. Probably not, though. Like, God is this cool concept. God is, Jesus is, is something that you do whenever you go to church on Sunday. If you feel like going, God's maybe an afterthought. You think that you're rich, and this is really, really, really clear to see by how you live your life. You don't follow Jesus. You compartmentalize your life until following Jesus is something that you do when you feel like it or something that you do on Sunday. Um, and that's not, that's not okay. But switch gears a little bit. You guys ever played, anyone have siblings? Um, stupid question. I'm just trying to get some crowd participation here because it's, uh, it's like crickets in here, man. Um, all right, now my sister uh, was the devil growing up. Um, now she follows Jesus and she's a loving mother and she loves me. But man, I really thought that she really may have came from hell and not my mother whenever I was little. Uh, she's just mean. Uh, but we get along now. Anyway, you ever played tug of war with a sibling? Like you're fighting over the remote and then like the, it's usually the younger one that's dumber 
and they and you just let go and they go flying into the wall. For me, me and Amber would do that with things sometimes, and then she would let go and I'd fall into the wall and I'd break something, and then she would tell mom that I did it on purpose, and then I would get beaten, things like that. Um, like I said, she was the devil. No one understands. Uh, but the, what I'm saying with like that, give them what they want thing. Like you want the remote, you want the remote. Fine, then you can have it. Um, Jesus says that we get what we want. Right, like a, another story. I play drums. Um, the cymbals that are up here that you hit a lot of times, the ones that I just play way too hard and beat the crap out of, those are called crash cymbals. Now, when I was like 18 years old, I wanted this one crash cymbal. It was a Zildjian Z Custom Medium Ride, no, or Medium Crash. None of you guys care about that. That's fine. Um, but I wanted this cymbal so badly. Um, I saved money for like a couple of months. I really wasn't working too much, and I wanted this thing. I was all about it. My life was based around I got to get enough money to get this one thing. That's what I need. And then I got it. And it was okay. And then I tried to record some music with it in a studio, and it sounded like crap. Right? So this thing that I strived for all this time ended up not being what I wanted, although I thought it was in the moment. I based my entire life around getting it, and it wasn't what I wanted. It sucked. And now I play A customs, for those of you who need to know that, not Z. You want to get A's if you're a future drummer in here. Um, But what Jesus is saying here is whatever you strive for, whatever you value, whatever you focus your life around, whatever, you will get it. Which, And I'm not going the Joel Osteen route about like, Jesus will give you health and wealth and all that other crap. I'm not doing that. But I'm saying Jesus is saying, generally speaking, whatever you strive for, you will get. And this is a general statement referring to spiritual things. What do you want? If you want the things of this world, you may get some of them. If you're striving after the world's values and the things that matter to them, right, making yourself comfortable, making yourself happy here, doing your own thing, being your own person, whatever the Facebook memes are saying this week, if that's what you're into, that's what you'll get because that's what you're going after. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that whenever you live a life completely void of concern for God or your right standing with him, then you will get what you desire. And that is the absence of God. You will get that. But you will get that forever and you will get that in hell. Whenever you focus on nothing, everything here and nothing eternally, then you will get nothing good eternally. It's why Jesus says in uh, verses 24 and 25, What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. The world is going down in flames around us, and yet we still live our lives like the stuff around us matters. That's stupid. Look, let's call it what it is. And I'm guilty of the same thing too. But Jesus says that if we live like this, that we are only ever going to receive our happiness now. Actually, the Greek word that he says, you've received your compensation now, means you've been paid out in full in this life right now and you've got what you wanted, but there's hell to pay later for it. And we think we're rich. We live like we don't need Jesus. We live like we don't need to be concerned with God or our right standing before him. So I know some people in here right now, pay attention, some people in here think that you're fine. You think that this Jesus thing is okay for poor people, this Jesus thing is okay uh, for people who can't take care of themselves, for people who are mentally weak, but it's not for you. But you have no idea how poor and how desperate you really are. You have no idea. Righteousness is riches whenever Jesus is talking about this. Whenever he's talking about poor, he's talking about you have no righteousness. And if righteousness is currency, you're poorer than you ever imagined that you were. 
in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness. Whenever Jesus talks about hunger, he's not talking about food. He's talking about, do you desire things of this world or do you desire eternal things with God? Because only Jesus can give you that. So there is nothing but hunger awaiting you after death if you ignore Jesus. Jesus says that we're saved by him and we're saved through faith in Jesus. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. That's Jesus' core of his message. But first, we have to realize how badly that we need him. And I think that this is something good, even if we're all Christians in this room tonight, and I was wrong. I don't think so. Um, But this is good for us to internalize and remember. We have to understand how badly that we need Jesus and how much we have to rely on him. Because what we have is we have a holy, pure, sinless, righteous God who despises sin. And sin is rebellion. You guys hear me say this all the time. Sin is rebellion against this God, and it must be punished. A lot of times we minimize our sin and say, you know, it's mistakes, or, you know, I had a lapse in judgment. Have you lied? Have you looked at porn, guys? This room just got a little bit more uncomfortable than you guys expected it to. Have you looked at porn? Uh, Are you mad? Are you angry with people? Have you neglected people? that you've seen are are in need? Have you slept with someone before you're married? Have you stolen anything? Have you cheated on someone? Have you cheated on a test? Have you been dishonest in any way? Because if you have, you deserve a death sentence. You deserve condemnation. And this is all not to mention the fact that you were born with absolutely no righteousness and you were born a God-hating enemy of God. That's the kind of desperate situation that we're in. And there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves righteous whatsoever. You think that, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make up for whatever I've done, or I'm going to try to be a good person, or I'm going to go to church on Sunday, or I'm going to help people when I see that they need help, or I'm not going to cuss, or I'm not going to drink, or I'm not going to do whatever. Your good makes God sick. Like in Zechariah, there's this image of this man, Joshua, covered in, in, in human crap. That's our righteousness whenever we go before God. That's our goodness whenever we stand before God. By ourselves, we are dead men walking, condemned to hell before we even realize it. And if you believe that, if you understand that and begin to understand your spiritual poverty, you begin to have hope. This is why this is the first thing that Jesus says, you're blessed when you're poor. But if you hunger for righteousness, then there is true hope you hunger for something that this world can't give you, then there is true hope. Because in addition to being this sin-hating, just God, he's also loving and he sent Jesus who never sinned, who lived the life that we're supposed to live, who was righteous from birth because he was not born a sinner. And then Jesus being righteous and always obeying the commands of God, Jesus lives a sinless life and then takes our sin our lying, our cheating, our sex, our porn addictions, our alcoholism, our drug addictions, whatever it is, he takes on himself all of our unrighteousness and the fact that we are disgusting in God's eyes on our own. And he goes to the cross and he's beaten. His face is beaten and his back is laid open. He suffers what you and I deserve. And then he suffers God's wrath, hell, on the cross as a substitute for us. And then God raises him from the dead three days later to prove that this debt that we owe, the fact that we had no righteousness, has been paid by Jesus. And if we'll place our faith in Jesus, that we will owe God nothing because we have a debt for our sin. And only righteousness can pay it. And we have none. But Jesus, if we will put our faith in him, he takes this bank account of righteousness, if you will, and he slaps our name on it. So whenever we stand before God, 
we can pay what we've owed because Jesus has paid it already. He gives us his righteousness even though we have none. So if any of you guys want to understand this better or, or you want to talk about how Jesus gives you his righteousness, come talk to me after the service or come talk to us over here by the couches during worship music. But you know, believe, trust this. This is where life is. Life is not in what's around us. Everything is passing away and is going to die in this world. Everything is going to burn someday. Don't put your faith in what's here and now. Put your faith in things that are eternal and that can't go away. But the, the, the next bit that we're going to be talking here in a minute. Um, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to pay attention to me. Just throwing that out there to you. Like, this is for Christians only. So, like, you're off the hook for the next, like, five to ten. This is for Christians. I said that we would return to... Um, to, to the rest of the passage, and that's what we're going to do. So we're going to check out Luke six twenty one through 23, 25, and 26. And Jesus says this, God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. And what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. And what sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Right, so for those of us who are Christians, right, or, or any of you who are, who are considering Christianity, I, I want to lay something out to you real quick. Following Jesus is going to cost you. The first two things that Jesus says here during this sermon is telling people how to come to faith in him. And the last two things that he says are for people who will come to faith in him. For us to bear this in mind. Believing in, living for, and identifying ourselves with Jesus is going to cost us. You will weep. You will suffer. You know, people might not like you. You, you will be excluded. You will be ridiculed because the world has always done this to God's people. Now, this isn't some like Westboro Baptist thing, right? Like, what I mean by that is, like, a lot of people, especially around here at churches that I've been to uh, when I was growing up, is, like, if everyone around here hates us, we're doing something right. It's like, no, everyone hates you because you're a punk, <laughs> right? Like, why, like, waving God hates fag signs. You're just an intolerant bigot. That's why people don't like you. It's not because, like, you're being persecuted like God's prophets have. Um, it's, that's just a crazy delusional thing. Because I, I know, like, a lot of churches think if people don't like us, then we're doing something right. And on some level, that's going to be true, but it's not on like that Westboro, people hate us, so God must love us uh, kind of thing. You know, Jesus here is picturing our values, right? The values that we have for following Jesus, while wrapped in love from us, not lining up with the world around us, and the values that the world presents us, and the things that should matter to us according to the world. You know, um, values like, like marriage, um, biblical thing saying that it's between a man and a woman. That's not going to line up with what the world tells us. Um, truth and objectivism, right? Everything's relative is what you hear now. You know, that can be true for you and not for me. And as Christians, we stand and say, no, there's one truth, and that's Scripture, right? We, we, we take a stand on life. You know, like uh, that abortion for the sake of birth control is not okay. Um, we live lives that don't make sense to people, where we give even though people don't seem to deserve it, and we sacrifice, and those kinds of values don't line up with the world's values a lot of time. And I'm not getting on a soapbox to tell you guys how to vote or any of that crap. That's not what I'm doing right now. Um, 
but our values aren't always going to line up. And, and more than that, we, we may weep because following Jesus is actually going to make your life harder. It's not going to make your life any easier. Jesus says, but it'll be worth it when you die. Following me is going to be incredibly hard sometimes. You know, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to serve people that you might not like or you might think aren't deserving. You're going to have to give your time. You're going to have to give your cash. You're going to have to give a lot of yourself. You're going to have to be uncomfortable. If you want to follow Jesus, you're going to suffer. People aren't going to like you for it, and you're going to weep. You know, but Jesus promises us, and this is beautiful, that whatever we suffer here is nothing compared to what he has for us when we die. And that's what keeps us going sometimes. He promises us that in those moments where we are hurting, that we are Blessed. So I want to pose something to you guys that I want you to chew on. I want you to walk out scratching your heads and really think about this whole week. And I hope that you think about it more than that. But the one question that I have for you is what have you suffered for following Jesus? This is for Christians. What have you suffered for following Jesus? You know, um, I'm, I'm not boasting with what I'm getting ready to do. I'm just going to give you a little recap of some of the crap that's happened to me in the last three and a half years following Jesus, right? And some people have suffered significantly more than me, and I'm probably never going to face martyrdom because we live in the United States, a pretty tolerant country for the most part. Um, I've lost friends because I'm a Christian, straight up. And I don't mean like I won't hang out with them because they smoke weed all day. I don't mean like that. I mean like they won't contact me because they think I'm going to bring them down while they're doing their thing. They won't hang out with me anymore. Um, because I've had to take a stand on things that the Bible says and, and condemn things like, and not in a hateful way, but condemn homosexuality, I've lost a few friends. I've been labeled a bigot. I've been labeled uh, a backwoods hillbilly. Um, my atheist friends ridicule me all the time. I was in a, an email conversation with a buddy of mine that I used to play music with. I can't believe you buy into that crap. Go have fun at your cult this evening. <laughs> right? Um, things like that ridiculed, mocked, told you're stupid. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had people that I thought loved Jesus, um, that the moment that I had to go and correct them for something that they weren't doing said, who are you to judge me? I'm out of here. Um, because following Jesus isn't going to be easy. People aren't always going to like you. You're going to have to suffer something. I've given money, um, I've given a lot of my time. I try to meet with people. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I snap because um, I feel like I just don't have anything left for myself sometimes. And this isn't me having a pity party. This isn't me saying, look at me because I freaking suck. I'm the worst sinner in this room that I know of. Um, but I'm trying to show you guys like real life. This is what suffering can look like sometimes. And these are small compared to what some people have to deal with. But the question that I want to ask you guys is, what have you personally suffered for Jesus? Because if you've never suffered anything for Jesus, you need to check yourself and ask yourself, do I really follow Jesus? Has it cost you something in this life? Has it made you uncomfortable? You know, people come into the store that I work at, they used to hang out and, and BS with me for 10, 15, 20 minutes, that the moment that I started trying to talk to them about Jesus, bounced out and I've not seen them in the store since. And I thought they were my friends. What, have you been uncomfortable? Have you been willing to sacrifice things for the cause of Christ and the kingdom? You know, check yourself. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not trying to make anyone scared for their salvation because once we're saved, we are saved indeed if we persevere to the end. But what have you done to suffer? And this passage of Scripture is a, is a warning to us just as much as it is a call to repentance for sinners. You know, do we value the things of this world? 
Do we value the opinions of this world? Or or are we willing to stand for Jesus and obey his commands even when it's going to cost us? Are we willing to evangelize and serve even when it's going to make us uncomfortable? So I want to implore you guys, don't focus on here and now. It's death. It reeks of death, this life does. Because it's going down. Stay kingdom-minded. Focus on eternal things. Telling people about Jesus. Serving people in Jesus' name. Screw your money. Screw your time. It's not your money. It's not your time. Give it back to Jesus. It belongs to him anyway. Don't be complacent and satisfied with the world around you. Don't believe the lie that you're rich now and that you'll be okay. Stay focused on what matters. But don't serve from fear. Don't serve because I've told you to or because I've said something that shook you if I did. Serve because you know that Jesus has given you righteousness and he has given you spiritual riches that you could not get on your own that the world cannot even begin to offer you. He's given you peace that the world can't give you. He's given you love that the world would never give you because the world, frankly, hates you. Live your life saying thank you because of that. That while you were separated and far from God, Jesus brought you near to God with his life, death, and resurrection. And through your faith in that, you're reconciled. Serve out of gratitude because you truly believe that. And be be ready to suffer for it. But Jesus deserves it. He deserves everything that we have. And at the end of time, whenever we stand before a holy God, Jesus and and what our relationship is to him is all that's going to matter. Remember that. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to to give us his righteousness because we have none on our own. Um, God, I pray that no one here become complacent with the things of this world, that we don't focus on money, we don't focus on what the world values or the world's opinion, but we focus on Jesus' opinion and, and the things that he commands us to do. God, I pray that we, we leave here asking ourselves the question, what have I done for the kingdom? What have I suffered for following Jesus? And I pray that your Holy Spirit convict us and begin to push us so that we go out and listen to what your Spirit says and we serve other people and we aren't afraid to tell them the good news of Jesus, even if that means people are going to think we're stupid. Help us to remember that nothing matters except your kingdom because your kingdom is the only thing that's going to stand. Ours will die and fade. God, above everything, thank you for sending Jesus to us to die as a substitute and to give us his righteousness. Help us to serve out of gratitude for that because we love him and we understand how poor that we are in and of ourselves and that you have made us rich through Jesus. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.